Good morning everyone and thank you Graham, the musicians and singers just for leading us here in our time of praise. It will be about three years past this coming June that I am sure you and I have been overwhelmed and bombarded by what's become known as Brexit. And that's when a decision was taken to move our country away from where we are to a new place, a new destination, free trade it's called. But this morning I'm not going to say anything at all about politics, praise the Lord for that. I want to tell you about a spiritual story about a nation, I'm sure you'll know this story, about a nation, not Brexit, but maybe called Israel Z, as they were told by God to leave where they were and go to a new destination. That's quite a thought for them, maybe for us too today as well. And if a referendum had been held uh, by this fledgling nation of Jews in Egypt, I am sure 100% would have voted to leave Egypt. Because in Exodus chapter 1 we would read that they were in despair. They were in misery. They were in slavery as they were building bricks for the construction work in Egypt. But the Lord heard them. They were tired. They were a tired people. They were burdened. I don't know this morning if you feel tired and burdened, not only at a national level, but more to the point at a personal level. You feel tired at times and burdened. In Exodus 6 and verse 5, it says that God heard them groaning. They were groaning and he said to them, I will free you from slavery. They were in need, they knew their need, things had to change in their life. You know, maybe we're here this morning and we're conscious that something has got to change in our life. I just wish my life would change. Maybe we have a place that we want to leave. Maybe we have an Egypt in our life. A place we need to get out of. A mindset that we're in, things that we do, and we need to get away from that. Maybe we've got an exodus to embark upon. Maybe we need to escape and just get out and start to move on with our life. Egypt was a godless country where this nation was. The God of heaven and earth had no place in Egypt. God once said to the nation, there should be no other God before you other than me. Maybe we have other gods in our lives. Maybe they look like legitimate things to you. Maybe it's a lifestyle. Maybe you live a good life. Maybe you work hard. Maybe it's your family. These are all good things. But suddenly they become more important than maybe God does. And suddenly God kind of just starts to slip a little. Maybe we need to move on in our lives and get out of where we are. Maybe we need to get out of our Egypt. Moses, as you know, was a man that led them and he witnessed some amazing miracles, some of the most powerful miracles that God performed. He witnessed a burning bush. And the nation too witnessed the ten plagues that God pressed down in the superpower of Egypt and he crushed them and he crushed Pharaoh. The parting of the Red Sea when hundreds of thousands crossed in dry ground to a new land and the crushing of the Egyptian chariots they saw some of the most amazing 
miracles that God had witnessed. But as we move into the story, we'll do a reading just in a minute or two, this promised land, this is where we're now moving to, the attitude of the nation compared to Moses' attitude and a few others was very, very different. In fact, the beggar's belief, the state and the position this nation were in. The attitude that they took was disastrous for them. It beggars belief. When we read this story, the disastrous, catastrophic situation they were about to plunge themselves into because they simply refused to believe in God and listen to God. They could not see God. That's what we're thinking about here. Fix their eyes upon Jesus. They failed to fix their eyes upon God in spite of the powerful miracles that they were witnessed and embarked upon. Let's just do a reading then um, and we'll just move into Numbers chapter 13. If you have a Bible, fine. If not, just um, enjoy the reading. Numbers chapter 13. For the sake of time, I'm just going to move into chapter uh, 13 verse 23. Just for the sake of time. Numbers chapter 13 Verse 23. When they reached the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a large branch bearing some single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried on a pole between them, along with some pomegranate and figs. Down to verse 26. This is a report from the exploration. Remember that God had told Moses to send twelve spies into the land, one from each tribe. They come back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. And the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there the Amalekites and the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the whole country and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Verse 30, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said we should go up and take possession of the land for we certainly can do it. But the men who had gone up said we cannot attack those people, they are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had reported. They said, this land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of a great size. We saw the Nephilim. They are the descendants of Anak. They come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. Just moving in for a few verses in chapter 14. All that night the members of the community raised their voices and wept. The Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land only to fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell down in front of the whole Israelite assembly, gathered there, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, 
who were among those who explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land, because he will devour them. Their protection is gone. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the Israelites. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to listen to me? In spite of all the signs I performed among them, I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. But I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. These are powerful words that beggars belief where this nation was and where they were going in their life. When this nation left Egypt and arrived in Mount Sinai, it was approximately 200 miles from Canaan, the southern border. And that would have taken about two months' journey. But it took most of the nation, a small amount of the nation, 40 years to eventually reach their destination. As you know, they spent, most of them spent 40 years in the wilderness. Sometimes our life can seem like a wilderness. Do you ever wonder sometimes where you're going in life? What is the point of life? What is the purpose of life? Where is my destination? An aircraft left the city of London airport last week. Destination Dusseldorf and landed in Edinburgh. The passengers weren't very pleased. Do you know where your destination is in life? The two reports we read about there, there's two scenarios. The first scenario is that it's a negative report. It's a no report. In verse 28, the people living there are powerful, they're very large, the cities are fortified. Verse 32, they spread a bad report, they are large people. We're like grasshoppers. We can't do this. That's what they're saying. God has got this wrong. You'll hear that a lot today. God has got this wrong. In spite of the miracles and the promises. And of course this is all from Satan. And the nation. He is saying. God has got this wrong. I will retract what God has done. I will undo all the good that God has done. But there is another report, there is a positive report from Caleb and Joshua. And they say, as with the first verse we read there in Numbers 13, 23, the spies cut some grapes, pomegranates, figs, tied them to a pole. These are not as the grapes. These were hanging in a pole, held and carried by two men. In verse 30 of chapter 13, Caleb agreed, God said we can't go up and take possession of this land. Let's do it with God's help. We can do what we want to do in life with God's help. We can get to the destination that God wants us to be in with God's help. In chapter 14, verse 6, Joshua and Caleb said, If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is the victory that God can give us. So after these two reports, there's a negative and a positive. 
It's decision time for the nation. Will the people agree with the no vote? Or will they agree with the yes vote and do it? Decisions and choices that we make in life are fundamental and will have huge consequences on their life. And the decision of this nation not to enter was catastrophic for them. I can't emphasise that more. It beggars belief why they would not enter the promised land. Unlike Brexit, where there's a lot of talk about it, we just didn't know about the vote, we don't know about the evidence, this country had all the evidence they needed, all the miracles they needed. They could see everything they ever would want to see. And yet, in spite of that, they said no. The response, chapter 14, verse 1, the people wept aloud. What are they weeping about? They were distraught. What on earth is this nation distraught about? Verse 3, we are going to die. Where is this coming from? <laughs> distraught, weeping, going to die. This story beggars belief. But it gets worse because they start to groan and grumble against Moses and Aaron they're now getting on the neck I mean how bad does this story get Moses, Joshua and Caleb they were in the minority a tiny minority saying God has got this right we've got to move on with God today if you speak on behalf of God present the Christian view you will be in the minority you will be unpopular but Moses and the spies, the two of them still reported the truth don't be surprised if people are upset at that, do not be surprised if people are offended by your Christian view, Jesus said that if you speak of me, they will be offended people were offended when Jesus spoke this is outright rebellion verse 10 of chapter 14, they spoke about stoning Moses and Aaron is outright rebellion and Moses and Aaron must have been horrified they must have been horrified what's gone wrong with this nation this nation has lost all sense of reality that is the problem and that is the work of Satan Satan wants the world to live in dream, a dream world, a dream planet, just do your own thing there is a lobby in the world today to legalise social drugs, which basically says take crack cocaine, marijuana, hash, ecstasy, heroin. If you do that, it's fine. People want to do it. The levels of drug use will go down. That's one view. Lost all sense of reality. There is another lobby. If you speak to police officers, those who are medical physicians, they would tell you of the strong link between drug taking and physical health issues, mental health, psychotic issues, rising criminality, people trafficking, money laundering, poverty, the connection between drugs and suicide. This view of legalising it is a fantasy world. People have lost their senses by stating that. There is nothing new. This nation had lost their senses of thinking it will be alright we can do our own thing what was the problem then with this nation the problem was that they thought they were right they were fixing their eyes on themselves they fixed their eyes on giants fortified cities thinking they are greater than God they have forgotten about the exodus where is that gone in their mindset 
There's fearful. What on earth are they fearful about? It's just not about physical sight, of course. It's what's in their mind. What are they thinking about? What is their mindset? Who are they listening to? And that's very important for us today. What are we looking at in this world today? Who are we listening to? What do we fill our minds with? What do we read when we read the media today? This nation should have been going through a period of spiritual transformation. If this was not going to transform them, what on earth would? You know, we've got God's word today, the evidence of it is here in our lives. Paul Wright wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that we need to be transformed into his likeness. If we don't, we will never move forward. Prior to this period in Moses' life, you will remember the previous 40 years, Moses worked in the Midian Desert. He was very happily married, he had a family, he was a farmer. What was God doing to him during these 40 previous years? I'm sure God was transforming Moses for this momentous event in the life of Israel and this nation. Paul, just shortly after he became a Christian, goes into the desert of Arabia for two years. We read very little of what he did. And then after that he goes back to his home city in Tarsus for approximately eight years or so. We'll know nothing about what he did. Relatively unknown at that point of time. What is Paul doing at that moment in time? He's being transformed. That's what's happening. God is transforming Paul and Moses for a moment in time when he would use them. This is what should have been happening here. They should have been moving closer to God, knowing more about Him, allowing them to move on with God instead of staying still, and in fact, in some case here, even going backwards. What they also do is that they contradict God. They say to Moses, Moses tried to, tries to reason with them in chapter 14, verses 7, 8, and 9. The land is exceedingly good. The Lord is pleased with us. He will lead us into this land. Do not rebel against the Lord. He's trying to reason with them. Do not contradict God. And in verse 3 of chapter 14, they say, wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? What planet is this nation on? They were in misery. They were in slavery. They were in torturous lifestyle going back. I don't think so. They've lost all sense of reality. They want to reverse God's plans, all his promises, undo all the good of the Exodus, stepping out with God's will. It beggars belief. It's not that they had no evidence of God's power, it was all there before them. And they're trying to undo it and go back the way. Third problem they had was that they had a lack of faith because in verse 11 we read there, God actually says to Moses, How long? Will they refuse to believe me? How long? And how long will they treat me with contempt? The psalmist writes in Psalm 106 verse 24 about this event later. They despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his promise. They grumbled in their tents against the Lord. You know... Belief is a word that is used very loosely nowadays. I believe this will happen. I believe that won't happen. Very loosely used word nowadays. 
you know, there is a word in Greek, the original Greek yada means that we believe in facts or information. If I had read a fact sheet to you about Cleopatra, Julius Caesar, when they married, when they died, their family, their battles, their victories, you would probably believe in that and say yes. What, what we are doing is believing in the information and the facts of the situation, the yada. But that is very different from believing it at a relationship point of view because James it says do you believe that there is a, a God do you believe in Jesus good even demons believe that it's purely factual their belief in God was little more than God existed that's all it really was and you need to know more you need a personal relationship with God a personal relationship with Jesus to repent and know Jesus as our own personal saviour to walk in faith that's what belief means not at a fight level but at a belief level which will be life changing there was two options here to Moses which is quite interesting if I were Moses I don't know what your view would be on this but maybe he could have said I've had enough of this I just want out of this situation they're stoning me they're not going to take my life I'm heading back to the Midian Desert with my wife and family. I had a good life for 40 years. Yeah, things were going well. I just want out of this situation. But he doesn't do that. He wants to take the nation with him. He says in verse 18 that the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, forgiving sin and rebellion. He's advocating on their behalf in spite of what they have done. He's interceding on their behalf to God. He's pleading for them. But in verse 18, we now read that the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love. And in verse 20, God says, yes, I will forgive them. But in verse 23, he also says that none of them who saw my glory and my miraculous signs will enter the land. None of them of that generation would enter the promised land. They would spend 40 years lost, going round in a circle. They've lost their destiny. We mentioned that earlier. Do you and I do know our destination in life? They'd lost that. And that generation had lost their destiny. Wandering for 40 years. We all face giants in life. We do. There's a friend that we have, you may, you may know the lady, she suffered for uh, many years and decades with arthritis. And while having prayed for God to take away that condition, it's not happened. But often she'll say that she's closer to God with the arthritis than she would have been if God had removed it. That's a very bold and a brave thing to say. Yes, she would not want the arthritis. Yes, she would want it removed. Yes, we don't want giants in our life, but we do have giants. Whether it's family or employment or health. But this lady just feels that that's her giant in her life. But it's never stopped her from serving God and loving God. And God has used her in many ways in music, singing and poetry. We will have giants in your life. You will have giants family hardships of life but that should not stop us from fixing our eyes upon Jesus to be unpopular and go with Jesus or to go in the opposite direction let me just finish on a final point here 
There's a point I mentioned earlier regarding Moses. His life changed when he saw a bush that didn't burn. The foliage was there, it was uncharred, it wasn't singed, he saw the flames, this bush didn't burn. That was a life-changing moment for Moses. What was the image from that story? The image is very simply this. The fire is a symbol of God. The fire was a symbol of his holiness, his purity. The bush was a symbol of Israel. But the bush did not burn. God didn't destroy the bush. God didn't want to destroy Israel. He wanted to dwell in the nation and purify them, burn away their sin, purify them, not consume them, but to save them. And that's the same for you and I today. God is the fire. You are the bush. If you have God in your life and God dwelling in you, he will not destroy you. He will not consume you. He will burn the sin away in your life and make you stronger in your life. That was the story for Moses and he got it. Sadly for his generation and Israel, they didn't get that story about God and his love for them. He was not wanting to destroy them. It was their choice. God doesn't want to destroy us. He wants us to continue and follow him with faith. And we can do that too with Jesus. And he did it because this nation was special to him. He loved this nation. You are special to God today. I am special. He eventually, in spite of the ups and downs of this nation, Jesus, the Son of God, the Saviour of the world, was born into this nation. The few who eventually, after 40 years, did go in and inherit the promised land, in spite of many ups and downs, in spite of setbacks, in spite of a lot of rebellion, this didn't stop at the, this 40-year desert period, but God did not give up in that fledgling nation, in spite of her flaws. God will never give up on you, in spite of your flaws and the flaws that we have, ensuring that we are transformed. How do we do that? How do we ensure that God will not destroy us? How do we ensure that God will love us and be in our side? Romans 10 and 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This nation was special. God can still do miracles in our lives. And I trust and pray we'll do that and keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus because he loves us and will keep us to eternity. Let's just pray before I hand back to Graham. Dear Lord, we just uh, thank you for this story. It's a story that beggars belief in so many ways. A story of people who witnessed and felt your love and your concern and your power and your miracles. And that you, they rejected you, Lord. We just pray that through this message this morning we'll be challenged to, to live in the real world. And not um, a murky world that Satan would feed us with a world where God loves us and values us and cherishes us and doesn't want to destroy us always, always and because of the cross of Calvary Jesus has died and has saved us and loved us we thank you for that story Lord that will keep us going for today and eternity and we just commend it to you and for this day in Jesus name Amen thank you <laughs>